Today on the Topping Show, Bud Light stock is downgraded, Disney Plus bleeds users, Yaling launches a limited edition beer can, Senator Dianne Feinstein is back in the Senate, YouTube to stop ad blocking, and Kia and Hyundai car thefts to continue to exponentially increase. All that and much, much more on the Topping Show. Thank you everyone for tuning in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and service company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their owner at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business leader or just a business owner, you use a little assistance, you reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going into the business part of the podcast, you have Bud Light, or more appropriately, their parent company, Anheuser-Busch, having their stock downgraded as they lost another $5 billion in value. So if you go into the sales, divided by region, the Rocky Mountains have decreased 29% in sales. South Atlantic, West, North Central, and East, South Central regions all fell about 25% sales. So every single region, including California and the folks who assume, presumably would be major supporters of their decision to partner with Dill Mulvaney for their advertising campaign, even those states are drastically decreasing the sales of Anheuser-Busch products. And it's only gonna get worse and worse for them as more and more people realize, oh wait a minute, they own 50 other beers? It's not just the dog swill or piss water, some might say, Bud Light. Their parent company, InBev, over in Belgium, they bought out Anheuser-Busch years ago. Anheuser-Busch owns a lot of the local beers that you know of, including, of course, Budweiser and Bud Light. We also have, I believe, Corona. You have Modelo, another one. Shock Top. I'm not a, beer, beer, I'm not a big beer drinker, but it's a lot of the brands people are starting to realize, oh wait, they own them too. Oh yeah, Michelob Ultra, that's also the same company. So the boycott is, I don't know it's cliche to say, but the ripple effect. The ripple effect is increasing. It's just, it's not that particular brand only, it's getting worse and worse for the company. So it's gotten so bad that Anheuser-Busch's stock has gotten downgraded by HSBC to a hold status, which is one of the worst possible things. And it shows how much of a big business blunder Anheuser-Busch was choosing that brilliant marketing director. She's uh, still on, presumably just not, she's on a temporary leave of absence. And of course the CEO is blaming an outside marketing company. Granted, you're still dumb enough to hire them or perhaps a nicer way of saying it would be illogical, imprudent, whatever vernacular you choose, the CEO is still abdicating responsibility saying, oh no, it was a third party. Well, you, you trusted them with your, you trusted them with the most valuable asset of your company, which is the brand. Very few people drink Bud Light for the enriching gold hopsy taste or whatever people describe it as. It used to be the default for frat houses and the average hardworking Americans who want to maybe just get a buzz. And very similar to other industries like Coke and Pepsi, the big driver is the brand for advertising campaigns. Keeping it in front of people and keeping it culturally relevant is one of the biggest drivers of sales. And yet they decided to entrust a third party with this, which many industries use third party advertising agencies and they do some fantastic things. But to not have more Overwatch if, and again, very few people actually believe them when they say, oh yeah, we didn't know they were doing that. 
really? So nevertheless, so their stock is being downgraded to a hold position. Now, for those who aren't in the stock market, just rudimentarily speaking, there's three positions to take, you know, buy, sell, and hold. And it's based on analysis that a lot of these stock brokerage firms look into when they're looking at, is this an attractive stock to buy? If it's a buy, obviously they think the outlook for the company is attractive. They think long-term is going to have some great results for the shareholders and it's a good investment. That's as simple as I could put it. And of course you have sell where they're saying, Hey, this company's outlook is so bad. We don't see them turning the ship around. We think they're just going to bleed money and we don't see it getting better anytime soon. You should sell it now before it gets worse. Now, they're being put to a hold position. And if you look at the six month and the 12 month overall stock market and the prices for Anheuser-Busch, they're still ahead. With that in mind, this boycott has only been going on for about a month. The marketing campaign was April 1st and it was not a joke. Is it, it, This may be the most expensive joke in history, literally billions of dollars. That'd be hilarious. It'd be very entertaining if it was. It, if the CEO of Anheuser Busch came out and said, "Oh yeah, we we're, were just joking," April first, that would be perhaps the you know, no one would believe him at this point. But if it was like a day or two, nevertheless, it was not a joke. So the data that we have is about maybe four to five weeks of data that we're getting. We use up the big numbers are going to come during their quarterly reports. So everyone's up and hurrah saying, "Oh yeah, Anheuser Busch is going great. Look at the quarterly report." Q1 happened before that marketing decision came in play. Now, the managing director of HSBC, the company that downgraded them to hold, you have Chris Latiboy noted that he, this big backlash against Anheuser-Busch is a big sign that there are, quote, deeper problems than ABI admits, unquote, Anheuser-Busch International, or rather, InBev, Anheuser-Busch, InBev. Nevertheless, and he's questioning if they're, you know, if they are, quote, hiring the best people to grow the brands engage risk unquote, which of course they're not that the marketing manager they hired was a activist. If you look at her videos, I mean, she just, she was all about changing the entire demographics of the company and going after basically kids in terms of they chose a person whose main audience is about 15 years old in America. You cannot purchase beer at 15 years old. Other countries, yes, perhaps, but you're putting a marketing campaign in the United States. Yeah, so she was not a very prudent business decision to hire her for that role, and an even more imprudent decision not to have oversight and, of course, hire a third party, apparently. So I'm not too surprised the stock has been downgraded. The real question is, how many more weeks of this boycott will it take to get downgraded to a sell position? where this boycott is getting more and more steam. It's not just folks on the right who are upset with the situation. There are also folks on the left who are also impunitive because, or punitive, because Bud Light didn't come out and back Dill Mulvaney into the controversy. So there's a holding company, there's a gay bar in Chicago, then they own four different gay bars in the metropolitan area, or Chicagoland area. And they are saying they're processing Bud Light because Bud Light didn't stick to their guns with their original campaign. Even though Bud Light hasn't come out and really made any much statements more than a bland political statement. But now you have both sides protesting and boycotting this brand. And of course, people in the middle are wondering, why the hell are you trying to put politics into this creek water? And it's one of those things where I think more and more people are looking into Bud Light in general in terms of, you have Amy Schooner, the big stand-up comedian, well, physically big stand-up comedian, but she did some commercials with Seth Rogen where 
in their commercials, they're very proud about the myth of the pay discrepancy between men and female in the United States, which statistically is very unethical in terms of the sample size they use. And if you actually remove those variables, it's about the same or women get paid more. And the, the number you hear all the time, they say women are getting paid less than men, that's because they include all women, including the ones who make the ultimate sacrifice and ultimate, I mean, sacrifice, I would say, to call of duty to stay at home and raise their children and raise the next generation of Americans. They're included in that sample pool as having a $0 salary. So, of course, if you are taking that into consideration, the numbers are going to be a big discrepancy. So if you remove those, it's about the same or more. Anecdotally speaking, in IT, I know a lot of women who are overpaid relative to their skill set, partially because of that myth. Nevertheless, Bud Light had those commercials, and Bud Light also had commercials that in which they were promulgating gay marriage, which folks on the right is becoming much more stigmatized as many of them have become rhinos or Republican in name only. And it's funny enough, I mean, if you go back, what was it, 10 years ago, Obama and Biden, they, they also didn't believe in gay marriage, but so is how fast some of these trends come. But there are still some folks on the right who are against that for religious and cultural uh, reasons. And yet they didn't have a big uproar or did protest that those commercials too much, but those commercials were there and people are starting to see how far back these commercials are going, showing it's not a single instance in which Bud Light is becoming more of a left-leaning brand. And those are coming to light more and more. So how much do you really trust that brand for authenticity? Oh, I certainly don't. As soon as, as considering they keep trying to have the same BS commercials where they just use emotional rhetoric and patriotic rhetoric in light of actual facts, logic, or reason, which for some folks might still work. Now, other interesting businesses, you have YouTube, they're gonna stop the usage of ad blocking. And that's gonna have a pretty big impact on platforms since, I don't want to say YouTube is unbearable, heck I'm on the platform, but one of the reasons you don't see a lot of ads on this channel yet, you know, knock on wood, someday, and thanks to your support, will become monetized in, in which we get a percent revenue share for the advertisements and then we can have more resources for the show, put us with graphics and such. But once it becomes monetized, you see a lot of these commercials. And when it's gotten to the point where there are multiple commercials per video. I mean, it used to be, of course, no commercials. When the company first founded, they really need to get the massive amount of users on the platform. And one way to do that is to make it so there's no commercials and make it so that there is very little friction to the user experience. You get right on the channel, you see your video right there, you don't have to wait. It's instant gratification, which is a huge IT phenomenon and any business phenomenon. But it's one of those issues where you got to the point where there's one commercial, okay. Then you have two commercials before the video even starts. And there are some commercials that have multiple and because YouTubers are pay, getting paid less and less throughout the years, they have their own commercials inside the videos where they promulgate a brand that they use to help support their livelihood. So the amount of commercials are going up exponentially. And YouTube, of course, they receive a, darn near all their money from the advertisements where brands from Nike to Black Rifle Co to Coffee Copies, I actually don't know if Black Rifle Coffee specifically advertises on, but you know, Daily Wire, all these companies pay YouTube to promote their channels, promote their brands, and promote their products, and YouTube makes the money that way. I would venture to say 12 people are paying for YouTube Premium. I joke, kind of. I know one person in my circle of friends who actually pays for YouTube Premium. And it's one of those things, once you give something away for free, it's very hard to move it to a paid ideal. Now, 
it looks like if you're using ad blocker right now, people are starting to see this notification. And YouTube actually has a, it has a little warning. It says, quote, it looks like you may be using a ad blocker. Ads allow YouTube to stay free for billions of users worldwide. You can go ad free with YouTube premium and creators still get paid for your subscription, unquote. So YouTube is trying to push the premium, which no one wants to pay for because people are struggling right now. They're paying for God knows how many streaming services, granted, so it can't be a gold fashioned book because there's no advertisements there. As far as I can tell, maybe product placements. Nevertheless, you have YouTube trying to push the premium, but it's gotten so bad. There's so many advertisements. There's a user, I believe it was on Reddit, and they described, they wanted to watch a 12 minute video of just rain. So perhaps more appropriately, they would be listening to it because they wanted to use it to help them fall asleep. Now, in this 12-minute video, there were two non-skippable ads in the beginning. At the three-minute mark, there was another ad. At the six-minute and 30 mark, there was another ad. At nine minutes and 57 seconds, there's another ad. And 12 minutes and 24 seconds, there's another ad. So the YouTube video is a little over 12 minutes, and you already have about six ads. At what point do you say, screw this, I'm gonna to go to Rumble or some other bit shoot or some other competitor? I mean, in YouTube, of course, if you look at the analytics of you know how much they're making off of the revenue and the advertising dollars, those are decreasing every year, partially because businesses are struggling thanks to a myriad of reasons from government cost inflation to increased regulation, but they're having less, less money to invest in marketing dollars. So it's one of the easiest things to cut as a business when it's much more attractive to cut marketing dollars, which can be difficult to measure in terms of a return on investment or ROI. Most companies rather decrease that cost as opposed to laying off people, decreasing or decreasing the quality of the product or the components. So it's one of those issues where we'll see YouTube. The rumor is YouTube is going to streamroll this everywhere. And it's hard to say if they have a choice in regards to they're losing money and the people that are using the ad blockers, they're getting the videos for free. And again, YouTube has billions of dollars in infrastructure to host all these technologies and host all these videos. So it'll be interesting to see, similar to Netflix, is there enough pushback from this where you have such a mass exodus from YouTube, it gets the attention of Google, YouTube, and they go, well, maybe, like, maybe we'll have to let it go on for a little bit longer. Netflix had a similar phenomenon when they said they were going to crack down on password sharing, where they said, oh yeah, you can't no longer share your password with friends and family. And of course, I think they soon realized, rumor is, they'll still roll it out completely, but if someone is sharing a password for Netflix, they're not going to pay for it. It's not a core part of their life, it's a supplemental thing. Also, it's a streaming service, you don't need it. This channel you definitely need to know, it's great content. but. And I appreciate you tuning in. Again, like, subscribe, and comment. Helps the channel grow. Helps us develop. And it's one of those things where it's a luxury. And this is a great free content. But with Netflix, they saw that discrepancy. Now, other streaming services are also having issues. You have Disney+, Plus, one of the biggest players out there. They're, even they are bleeding users in terms of, not physically. Oh, physically they might because they're taking a lot of money from you. But it's not kind of physical yet. So Disney+, Plus is losing subscribers, rather. They lost 4 million subscribers in their fiscal two, quarter two. Now, so they're now down to, it's still a big number, but they have 157.8 million subscribers. But to contrast that, Netflix, again, same time period, they have 232.5 million 
paid subscribers. And to show how fast or how, what the discrepancy is between legacy media and startups or smaller companies, you have the Daily Wire, which in terms of a alternative media, more conservative media, they're headquartered out of Tennessee. They, a few months ago, they just passed the million subscriber mark. So they're growing exponentially. That kind of gives you the contrast of how important it is to support smaller platforms and smaller channels since they're fighting against, it's a big David versus Goliath fight in terms of they're going up against companies with infinite, quite literally billions more resources. So Disney still has a lot, but they got half of Netflix. And it's one of those things where Disney only hit Wall Street expectations because of the theme parks. And of course, hitting the Wall Street, Wall Street expectations are important because if you miss those numbers, again, your stock can be downgraded, which that loses confidence of investors. New investors aren't going to go invest in you if all the analysts are saying, hey, this company's losing money you know, quarter over quarter. We don't think that the current CEO, current leadership, current board, or current chairman has the vision or the roadmap to turn it around. So that's another thing is publicly traded companies always have to be especially cognitive of what's Wall Street expectations, how can we appropriately meet or better exceed their expectations. So the CEO, Bob Iger, when asked, he noted that they do have plans to merge Disney Plus and Hulu into a quote, one app experience, which Disney owns a majority share in Hulu. So presumably they would buy out the remaining remaining shares and take the full control. Now, interestingly enough though, he also noted that they will have, the services will remain differentiated, which I'm not sure, maybe that means you have one login and then once you log in, you, it bifurcates into the two different libraries of content. But that's, that, that note is a little unusual. And they have quite a lot of consolidation to do. They still have a standalone product for ESPN Plus which is where you hear about, I was about to say sports, but it's mainly political BS these days, unfortunately, in terms of all the commentators seem to take political opinions that have nothing to do with a pigskin. Well, unfortunately, it's now just synthetic rubber, whatever balls are made of that these days, football, basketball. But it's one of those things where a lot of my friends used to tune into ESPN, but a lot of them specifically stopped when they started to get overtly political. And it's like long it's one of those things where there's a time and place. If it's a political show, that's why you're tuning in. It's appropriate to have those conversations. But when you're pushing certain things, it just turns off a lot of users. So ESPN's had a little struggle maintaining their user count. And Bob Iger, Disney also has some ideas. They're gonna to try to increase the price of Disney Plus ad-free tier later this year. And, but they're still struggling. They have their company division. So the traditional good old fashioned I was about to say tube TV. I might still be one of 10 people who still appreciate those things, but it happened. one. But they saw a 35% revenue drop for their traditional cable TV products like ABC, ESPN. And that's again, partially due to the industry and consumers changing preferences. Most people are preferring streaming services and consuming their content through the internet as opposed to the traditional broadband cable network. And It'll be interesting to see what resources ESPN and Disney Plus all move around. It, this first, there is a big benefit to the brand of ESPN, but it, it wouldn't be a bad idea, in my opinion, to just consolidate it into one app, just call it Disney Plus. And once you log in, 
so you have one password, one bill, and you just log in and go wherever you want. And you see whatever content you want. Thus making streamers happy because, or people consuming the content happy, maybe it's a little more streamlined. You know, there's not as many passwords to remember. You have one bill as opposed to four, five, six, how many bills you're paying for streaming services these days. So that might be an idea. So time shall tell if Disney is able to turn that segment of the business around. Now, other interesting news on the pharmaceutical end of the business industry, you have Novavax cutting their global workforce by 25%. This is an effort to cut down expenses and focus on key priorities, they say. This cut will equate to about 25% of full-time employees. So that's about 1,992 employees, unfortunately, are gonna be laid off. And the company's also planning to trim next year's cost for research and development, as well as selling in general administration expenses by 40 to 50% compared to 2022. Now, it's not too surprising, surprising since one of the main things they create is vaccines and every pharmaceutical company is expecting a huge decrease in revenue because the governments are no longer, pay, no longer paying for it. So I believe there's a couple of pharmaceutical companies where they told, like, here's the price that we sold to the government. Here's a new price and it's two to three times as much. And also, a lot of people think there's a loss as incentive to get the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, how many booster shots they have right now. It's hard to keep track. You almost need one of those little clicky counter things that they use for sports. I forget what they call counter things. Nevertheless, there's a lot less incentive to buy it. And especially if you're uninsured or self-insured or it's a ever increasing decrease, but increasing cost, but many people see it as diminishing benefits to it. And it's interesting that they're cutting their R and D by 40%. It'd be interesting to see how much they cut marketing because in terms of pharmaceutical sales, interestingly enough, they're very similar to soda sales and in regard to a big part of their spend is very small in terms of the actual ingredients. I mean, aluminum can is, pennies in terms of like the cost of a can of soda the joke is the most expensive the most expensive thing is the actual container it's not the liquid inside corn syrup's relatively cheap carbonated water even cheaper and most of the money actually goes to marketing of it and you do have research and development so the biggest upfront cost you got to create the thing so a lot of lab research r d but the actual materials to make it on a chart it's got to be is very 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 small but it's all about, in those cases, you have to market it, get it out in front of people's faces, get it as a recognizable brand. The dream of any company is to become the default. I think perhaps one of the best examples in my lifetime is Kleenex. Kleenex is a brand. It's not a, it's, it, but it speaks such volumes that if someone wants a handkerchief or a cloth for your nose, they don't say, hey, can you give me a nose cloth? They ask specifically for the brand Kleenex, which, if you're a company, that is the pinnacle of brand recognition. I think second to only, or perhaps right behind, Google it. A lot of people use that as a verb to look something up on a search engine. They just say Google it. So that's the goal of every company and to have that good of a branding. Now, speaking of branding, going on to the culture part of the podcast. So you have the inverse of Bud Light. So Bud Light decided to get into, get into the politics part of advertising and they're also owned by a foreign-owned company over in Belgium. Now, the inverse of that, and a brilliant culture move, is Yangling. So Yangling Beer is the oldest brewery in the United States. And instead of paying an influencer who its main audience is children, Yangling decided to do a different promotional can that you can actually buy at the store. So they decided to have their cans support veterans, which 
most American, well, I, would, I would argue true Americans support every veteran, but it's one of those things where a vast majority of the United States will agree with this marketing campaign. Very, very few people are going to be pissed off by this. I should say no rational people will be pissed off by this. And it's got a very interesting design. you got the can with the red, white, and blue Stars and Stripes program. And this is a brilliant idea. So it's going to be the brewery's year-round initiative to support those who have fought, who fight the good fight, along those who have lost as they passed away. So it's a brilliant cultural move, as many Americans still believe in this. And they're going to get a lot of free press from it. This is a win-win situation from a cultural cam cultural and marketing campaign. And Yaling continues to grow their sales exponentially as people are looking at alternatives for, well, what might actually taste palatable. And still family-owned, very impressive enough. They passed it throughout the generations. That's another admiral thing. Very rare these days and something I like to see. So it's a great company to support. Now, going on to the politics part of the podcast, you have Senator Dianne Feinstein finally returning to the Senate. She took a leave of absence for about three months. A little background, she was, she was born in 1933. 1933. So she's about 89 years old. And she's a Democratic senator from the safe, great business state and city of San Francisco. I say that with the utmost irony as they have one of the highest crime rates. And they have so much human there's so much human defecation in the city. They created an app that you can have on your phone. And it's called like the poop app, where it tells you where people have defecated in the streets of that shitty, I mean city. And it's such the problem is that bad they had to develop an app. And if you look at the app, it is just littered completely. And of course you have an exodus of every prudent business leaving the state, both their headquarters as well as their brick and mortars. You have Target locking toothpaste and mouthwash. Literally every product is behind a plexiglass locked door because the, the crime has increased that much because they voted for it. They said if it's below $950, it basically won't get prosecuted. And that's what that's their decision. Now, not only she's 89 years old, some people are still that sharp. I know Warren Buffett is still sharp as a tack, greatest investor in history, second only to Nancy Pelosi's husband, who somehow always, he, he's smarter than the best investor in history. Interesting. Nevertheless, she's gotten to the point where she is now in a wheelchair looking, she, she's never, um, never visually appealing, both for politics stance, but she's now in a wheelchair and her cognitive abilities have decreased exponentially. I've, I've always agreed with her pretty much everything she's ever said, but I find her especially emotionally manipulative as every time there's a bad thing when it comes to firearms, she will conveniently dust off a proposal and be like, oh, this is gonna stop it, which is a lie. It's an assault weapon ban, but it's a lie and also taking away people's rights as well as, oh wait, they all have armed security with better arms than most countries. But nevertheless, it is sad to see someone in this, in this poor physical health. And she's even admitted she no longer could remember what she voted for. So she was recently, in February this year, she was leaving the Senate. And someone on camera was going up to her, trying to interview her. And she goes, I didn't even know I voted for that. Or sorry, quote, I, did I vote for that? Unquote. And 
it's kind of the point where in politics, it, it really is just a rubber stamp in terms of a lot of people unfortunately, unfortunately are voting for folks just because they will be a rubber stamp for whatever political party left or right. And they're not making many independent decisions. And although I fervently disagree with her political policies, it is sad to see them some in the state still in politics. Again, well, I don't know why, why we don't have limits is beyond me. But for them to wheel her out here just to get an extra vote for their way, it's certainly in poor taste. And there are some people starting to speak up and actually call for her to step down. However, a lot of people are also, it's very hard, very, very few people have the, have the grit or they have the ethics or the morality or to step down once they have the power. It takes a certain type of person to do that. So that might also be a factor as well. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, it's one that is continuing. So you have Kia and Hyundai, same company. Their car thefts are continuing to increase exponentially. And this is even after their software fix. So the root of the problem is that Hyundai and Kia were originally built with vehicles without immobilizers, which in this in 2023 is, that's pretty cheap not to do the most basic thing for anti-theft. And I mean, this simple technology is supposed to prevent cars from starting unless the car picks up a signal from a properly coded chip inside a key. Without that hardware, it's possible for someone to start the car with basic hand tools and a USB cable used to use as an erase key to turn on the ignition barrel. And apologize if I butchered half those terms. Rudimentally speaking, it means basically anyone can steal it and also speaks to the cultural decay of the United States. It's trending on TikTok in terms of kids taking these simple tools and carjacking Kias and Hyundais. Another great example of the piss poor parenting that unfortunately has to become all too common. Now, in terms of how bad it's getting, only five to 6% of all the Kia Hyundais have had the actual fix done. So, and there's about 435,000 vehicles total. Now, Minneapolis continues to be one of the worst hit. Thankfully, they are very tough on crime in that state. <laughs> I joke, they aren't. Now, according to them, they had a a record of 1,899 Kia and Hyundai thefts reported this year. It's not even halfway through the year, and that's almost 2,000 vehicles being stolen. That's 18 times higher than it was last year. So, another interesting thing, but to not have that most basic thing, anti-theft, put into the vehicle, that's gotta be the business blunder of the day. Thank you again for taking the time to tune in today. Can't thank you enough. Don't Also, don't forget to take time to like, subscribe, and comment. Also, don't get to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.